and welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that was Steve Craddock and Last Days of the Old World from his new old album, Peace City West, uh, which is out on a fabulous new uh, vinyl release now. Steve, what was the reason behind revisiting uh, that album, which I think is about a decade old now? It is exactly a decade old. There's a few reasons, really. It was never released on vinyl for a start off, which I thought was a shame. And also, I didn't like the sound of it. I just, yeah, I couldn't handle the sound of it. And there was a 10th anniversary thing coming up, and I just thought it was the right time to make a move on it yeah, and try and complete it. I got rid of lots. There was lots of sort of stupid interlude bits on it that at the time I, I thought worked, you know. But I think in hindsight, they were probably just drunken nonsense, really. So, um I just made it more concise. I brought it down to just the songs, revamped the artwork and, and got it on vinyl. That first song we played, Last Days of the Old World, it sounds very current to me, or my version of current anyway. It sounds very fresh. Well, thank you. I think that the, the lyrical uh, thing about that song is still really there. Still, It's quite concurrent, isn't it? But musically, it sounds like it sounds quite uptight, really. <laughs> But, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I like it. I really like the song. That was one of the songs that you did with, was it Andy Crofts? Yeah, I co-wrote it with him. and he wrote the verses to that tune. So you were working quite a bit with him, sort of musically at the time? Well, yeah. I mean, he's got um, Andy Crofts, as well as being a great musician, as a writer, he's got this ability to just, if I played him some chords, like within five seconds or something, he would either have a great idea or he'd just go, it's not for me, I can't do it. So he's very, it's very instant with Andy. And it's it's a really interesting thing to watch, I think. Yeah. The way he writes, he's very instinctive. And he helped me out a lot on this. You know, we did quite a quite a bit of co-writing on this, which I, I was really grateful for. You know, I still am. We, and we was on the road a lot, me and Andy, 10 years ago. And so a lot of the songs, I can picture where we kind of did early demos of, you know, changing rooms in... Adelaide in Australia or some places in America and it's sort of I know it's I guess only me and Andy will know that yeah. you know I kind of it means something to me that does I can sort of see where they were uh, written lyrically some of those tracks are st- have still got that resonance including our next one only look up when you're down again it's that positive feel to it yeah there's a positive feel to that and I think again it's like rhythm and blues isn't it it's kind of the lyrics kind of a bit poignant, but the music has got a, a cheerfulness about it. You know, it's, I think that's what it is. And um, ultimately, I think that was just us trying to sound a bit like the Beach Boys. You know what I mean? Get that sort of the pet sounds with the timpanis and but to still just have that simple melody. I, you know, I think that's where our heads were at on that. Sights and the sounds About the moment 
to play one track by Paul Weller given the strong association that you have with him and I decided to choose The Weaver from the Wild Wood album because I think that was one of the first tracks that you played with him in the studio it was the first one yeah he asked me over to his place actually when I can't remember what I was whether I had done gigs. I don't think I'd done gigs with him then. Anyway, he said, come over, and I stayed for some Sunday dinner, which mm. is the lovely DC Lee cooked, and it's just like a family affair. It's beautiful, you know. And uh, we went to this uh, room we had upstairs, and he played me a version. He had an acetate of it, and he was saying, I want yeah. to re-record this and get you to play guitar on it. And I was so nervous going over there, I swallowed a load of hash. <laughs> so by the time I was knocking on the door, like everything was just going... I was like, oh, fuck. I was just so excited. I heard this song. It's kind of like a two-chord thing, basically. And I was like, oh, it just sounds amazing. You should just put that out. And he's going, no, no, no. He said, I want you to, I want you to play the guitar on it. So that was quite incredible. And I remember, actually, we rolled up a spliff in this room, and it had this beautiful shagpile carpet, and I burned a hole <laughs> in his carpet. So it was kind of like... Um, I was going to say awkward, but I don't think it was awkward. It was just... It happens. I was just, yeah, you know, I was just really happy and made up. I just thought this could be incredible, you know. Yeah, you'd released some material of Ocean Colour Scene, but you weren't building up a huge following at the time. No, we certainly wasn't. We was on, kind of on the early way down, really. I don't know what else to add to that, really. Apart from the fact I really still love The Weaver. It's a great song. Of all these people from just different places And if you can't succeed, what then will you achieve? With a different tune to play, you've been safe for a rainy day Will you hear the scar that song? The years been wasted The tears spent on the past, just filling spaces Love forever gone But it's too small a part Hide behind your wall and start To get to the very heart Oh, and if you won't shoot the moon 
association or, or collaboration with Paul Weller led to the uh, the smoking mojo filters recordings of Abbey Road for the um the help album I mean that must have been quite a quite a day <laughs> it was quite a day yeah what was the um period of time for when you knew you were recording and choosing a track I think it would have been a couple of days before really it all went very quickly and I don't know if Paul Paul might have no, he dropped him a letter anyway, I think, saying there we and you're welcome to come down if you want to. I don't know, it unfolded on that day and everyone came together, you know. And uh, all big respect, really, to a guy called Tony Crean, a scouse lad who used to work at Go Discs. That gentleman was paramount in getting it all together, you know. And he was saying, you know, like old school, let's, let's make this record on this day and let's get it in the shops on Monday and let's make sure it counts for something. So that was that's a big thing to pull off, isn't it? But in within our individual thing, it was like a it was just amazing. You know, Johnny Depp was there in the studio. He had these huge turnips on his jeans and he was smoking dog ass roll ups. <laughs> and after they'd gone out, he'd put in his turnips. And uh, I'm not judging it either way, but it doesn't matter, does it? But I just thought how weird or how Hollywood or 
how yeah. fucked up or I don't know what it was, but lovely Kate Moss was there. She was lovely. Colleen Anderson. But also the great thing I saw was Linda McCartney with her children. Um, Stella and Mary were there. And I don't know why I found this uh, strange and I'm pleased that it happened. But the, the kids kept saying to Linda, they kept going, go on, mom, there's loads of photographers downstairs. Go and get the, go and get the picture. And she was talking to a couple of people about Neil Young, about Lauren Cannon, Canyon and uh, Stephen Stills. And she was talking about the people she was into in the 60s. And the kids kept going, mum, 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 go on, go and get the best picture. And in the end, yeah, and she agreed to it and went down there. And I just thought it was so beautiful to see the McCartneys at home, at home with the McCartneys.
an ocean colour scene, you know, you, you really kicked up with Mosley Shoals. During the recording of that, did you even have a, a record deal? Um, no, not when we started it, no. Andy McDonald, who was the head of Go Discs, he was going to, because I was playing live with Paul, and he said, would I like a guitar as a Christmas present, which was amazing, right? But Paul Weller had just, he bought me a guitar, 335, which again, you know, is very generous of him. So I said, I don't really need a guitar, but we had this little room, the studio light in Birmingham. I said, have you got any recording gear that you're not using? So he said, come round. We were playing the Water Rats in King's Cross one Friday evening, and he said, call by his house in Chiswick on the way there. And he says, I'll have, because he had a, his, this home studio. So I remember us leaving with like a 16-track tax Scorpion desk, a 16-track reel-to-reel, and some outboard gear. I can't remember what that was really. But all of that gear anyway, and like we played the gig and drove home that night and loaded it all into this studio and we started recording the next day. And we recorded, I think we recorded most of Mosley Shoals just on our own on this 16-track. Then I went down to the manor, to, it probably to do the Weaver, and we played the demos to Paul and Brendan and Max Hayes, Brendan Lynch. And that was at the time where he said, well, he'd come up to Birmingham to help us out, mix it and finish it off. And we did actually re-record some tracks. I think all from scratch, maybe we did uh, mm. maybe Fleet in Mind or I can't really remember anyway. The sound of that record is so much better than the debut Ocean Colour Scene album. It mostly shows us that the sound is just classic. It doesn't date, whereas the first one had some good songs, but it was very much of its time. Well, the best version of the first album was made with Jimmy Miller and Steve Osborne producing and engineering and it was kind of the same songs, which aren't that great on that album, but it had an earthiness to it, and it was—it sounded like an indie band. It sounded like what a first album, in a way, should sound like. But that album got taken out of our hands, really, and was produced by a guy called Dave Bates. I mean, it was—we did three different versions of that album. I mean, I don't know where the sense was, and in the end, he kind of got an, uh, this guy in Tim Palmer. He wanted it to sound more American or something. I don't know. So that's what, but if you if you dress music up in a style, then it's just going to be, uh, it will date it, won't it? Yeah. But also, to be honest, there was a lot of people who just say that we're sort of 60s revivalists on Mosley Shoals. I mean, where'd you go? You can't, that was kind of the sound that we were playing in our, in our studio and in our garage and our gigs at that time, you know. I mean, that's why that album works now. And, and when you combine it with the strength of songwriting, so... Was it was it yeah. your riff, the Riverboat song? Yeah. Did you know you were onto something when you were... Well, do you know what? We just used to get stoned all the time, man. And we <laughs> would play, we just used to jam riffs. It would be Green Onions or it would be a Meters riff. Yeah. And it was just our interpretation of that, really. The same if you got it bad, do you know what I mean? We just had, yeah. we'd play over this loop of two chords for like 20 minutes. And um, that's kind of where, you know, and then we'd sort of edit it down to get it into a song format. In itself, I guess, is retro, isn't it? Yeah. Rocking and getting stoned. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's what that's what that those sort of tracks on the album, that's where they came from.
I wanted to play um, outside of a circle or the, the circle, the acoustic version of that. Was that how things also worked in terms of some of those songs where Simon was leading the writings, where it had come in acoustic and then you'd kind of add to it? Well, all of his songs are, uh, were written on acoustic, but what, what those versions were that ended up becoming the B-side, C-side Freerides album is that in 95, 96, every time you released a single, you would release two CDs, which would have the single version. And then on the lead track on the second CD would be an acoustic version of the song. <laughs> and then you'd have three other songs on each. So each time you were releasing a single, you were kind of releasing six, seven tracks. Yeah, half an album. Yeah, at least. So that's kind of become a, a fan's favourite album, I think, of Ocean Colour Scene, because it's a, a little bit not us trying to make sort of or being produced as much maybe. So it shows another side to the group, doesn't it? Which I like it. I think it might be my favourite album, to be honest. Yeah, it's got a lot of those acoustic versions and different versions, and there's quite a lot there to, to dig into, and, and Robin Hood. and Yeah. It was a great companion piece to Mosley Shoals at the time. That's a nice way of looking at it, yeah. It is a companion piece.
when you get to marching already and 100 mile high city for example did you feel like you're on a bit of a roll then because you'd i mean mostly shows in the charts for at least a year you must have had the real confidence as a band that you were at your peak in i guess yeah i, I think we probably were at our peak which is a strange position to be in because when you peak you can only go down from that can't you mm. and at the same point everyone's kind of you're a bit more full of yourselves because, you know, you kind of made it, whatever that means, do you know what I mean? So it's a very to- toxic period, if I'm honest with you. I think a lot of groups, that they'll be able to relate to that or you kind of have to watch it, and most people don't watch it. You get more gregarious and you get more, you know, strange time. You don't quite have that naivety. It's not even naivety, really. You just get more... Uh, just every, I mean, especially in like 96, 97, everyone, everyone was just out of it all the time. And uh, it was amazing fun. But again, right, the part, you know, it's just, it. well, it is what it is. I don't know I even know to say. Maybe that track is embodying that sort of crazy time in that it's quite, quite frenetic. It's, I mean, a hundred mile high city. It's got that rush. It has got a rush. I mean, speaking guitar wise, that there's a vibe to it where I used to live with my mate called Bertie, Bertie Dunright, and he would all the time play the Firestarter by the Prodigy, <laughs> like sort of, you know, every night till like four or five in the morning. And I'm sure some of that energy comes from that tune. I'm convinced of it. Yeah. And, you know, we was got, I think there's going to be spoke about having the picture taken at the top of Mount Zionai or something, some load of bollocks. But, you know, <laughs> it was people, but I think it's a good blues tune under my license. Yeah. But there's a lot, there's, some great songs, I think songs on that second album, like Beside, or the third album, sorry, Beside Yourself and Big Star. Yeah. I think really good. Half a, half a Dream Away. I think it's a really good tune.
You're also known for the um, your version with Liam Gallagher of Carnation uh, for the, the Fire and Skill album of Jam Tracks. How did that happen? Um, well, what was his name? Simon Halfon was getting it together and trying to get artists to do it. And I, I demoed two tunes, which no one in the world, Carnation, which I think no one in the world is a secret track on the CD. Yeah, it's like one of those bonus or his, hidden... Temp for, I, 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 yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I don't see the point in that. It means no one probably knows it. Everyone but, seemed to have those in, in the 90s. They'd have like a 20-minute break and then suddenly a track would appear. Mm. But um, Carnation. Yeah, so yeah. I did a, a demo version of it and then I posted a cassette to Liam's place and he seemed really excited about it. He was saying, your version sounds great, why don't you just go with that? And I said, I suggested to him that, I just said that the third verse, kind of, to have your voice on it, it's like, a match made in fucking heaven, man. It's just, you know, he's got that character, hasn't he, Liam? Yeah. And he's got the a brilliant delivery. Uh, so that was it, really. And we recorded his vocal at Primal Scream Studio. I think it was Primrose Hill. And then Paul came down in the late afternoon and he sat at the piano and played us a, a new song he'd just written called Frightened. Yeah, it's off, a, um, it's off Heliocentric. It's a really great tune. Oh, yeah. And Liam played, I think he... Prayed. He'd just written a little James. So it's kind of a bit of a muse's get together. It was sweet, you know, it was a nice evening. If you gave me a fresh carnation, I would only cause his tender battles. With me, you'll have no escape. And at the same time, there'll be nowhere to settle. Yeah. 
one of um, your tracks, which is my favourite, is The Apple from your, your debut album. How did it compare writing or performing solo to being playing with Paul or with Ocean Colour Scene? Well, it was just something totally new. Me and my wife had just had Sunny, our daughter, and I just thought I had this little lock-up in Birmingham and I just thought that I'd deal with my time differently. So I'd try, I'd got to the studio between like 10 and one, I'd go home for lunch and then I'd go back up there for the couple of hours in the afternoon. I just tried to maybe get my shit together a little bit more. And so I started writing and that's it really. It's new. And I, you know, I don't profess to be either a writer or singer really, but uh, I kind of, I I enjoy doing it. The song itself, is that about sort of family? Yeah, it's totally about my children. Yeah. And uh, I took them, I drove them to like, um, like preschool, whatever you call that. And I remember looking at them and I really thought, you know, I could, they were like little melodies to me and they were speaking tongues and there were sea shanties on the school run. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All that kind of came from just looking at them in the rear mirror. And I just thought, you know, I thought I've got to try and capture a little bit of what I'm feeling. to fall far from the tree Sunny and cast you float like butterflies the magic of our souls permits I'll tell you everything that I know The child's father to the man To start to begin free like the Begin. 
your next solo album, Travel Wild, Travel Free, has got The Magic Hour on it. I've read that that's partially inspired, or certainly the album is, by the, the move to nearer to the coast in Devon. Is, is that right? Uh, Magic Hour? I don't think so. When I wrote it down here, it's, again, it's probably inspired by the Beach Boys or um, right or the Ronettes. But um, I was pleased because we managed to, me and P.P. Arnold recorded a version of that for her New Adventures album. And I think that's the definitive version, obviously, with her singing it. Shall we play that instead? Absolutely. definitely worth uh, talking about the, the specials because I think you've been playing with them in a, a live setting for about seven years now. I've chosen Vote, Vote For Me from their most recent album. What was it like actually getting into the studio and recording new music as opposed to playing live? It was great. I mean, they'd got the backing tracks down, so I kind of went in and overdubbed on it. And it was three days of, it was really intense, if I'm honest with you. And uh, kind of the group were a, a like Horace was behind the speakers. Terry was sat there. Linville was just it. And they were, it was kind of all eyes on really. So it's a bit of a um, goldfish bowl, but it was also, uh, it was a great thing to be part of, you know? Yeah. It's very exciting. I think vote, vote for me is a great tune. Love it. Like Horace had a sign above the studio and it would say, uh, 
something like is it needed or something or is it essential and if anything I played and it didn't get the vote they just pointed this sign <laughs> uh, yeah heads heads rolling but it was fun and it's been and it, it's fun touring with them as well I really love them I think they're great musicians and the latest drummer Kenrick is a great player and it's you know Linville's such a vibey character Horace is such a great bass player and Terry's just extraordinary you know Never, I've never known anyone I don't think many people have known many, yeah. many people like Terry. COVID permitting, I think that with the specials, you've got some shows coming up, is it September onwards? I think so, yeah. August, September. After such a break as well of playing live. Yeah, I can't wait. Should be quite special. As long as we can fucking play still. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I mean, that's going to be quite... You're going to have to... Do a bit more rehearsal, I guess, rather than just going in and, and playing them. Maybe, yeah. That muscle memory might have... <laughs> might have evaporated. <laughs> yeah.
we mentioned PP Arnold earlier, and um, I, I've spoken to her, her previously, and she talked about how you'd connected up in the in the nineties. We briefly talked about the new Adventures album, but another song that I think you have written for that album was Baby Blue, because I think there was collaboration in the nineties, the and actually there was that single with Ocean Colour Scene, and then you didn't seem to connect up for I don't know twenty years or so. Yeah, how did you reconnect? Um, I well, I moved house and I found. I found the master tapes to what would have been, because Pat's come to stay with me when we lived in Birmingham in 1996, 97 maybe, and we'd just spend the evenings recording in the in the lounge, in the living room, what have you. And um, so I found all those master tapes and I listened to them and I was quite amazed. I thought even though they weren't what I, what was on the New Adventures, I just thought that the choice of the songs were great, of vocals were great. So I digitized them got them down and then i sent them to pat uh, on a cd and i said do you want to sort of carry on where we left off and thankfully she agreed she said yeah and that got some great reviews as well and was well received it was really well received yeah it's great you know i thought baby i think there's so many good songs on that it's a double album and um i think debbie's song on it recorded uh with the church organ and the choir is a moment i think the last thoughts on woody guthrie i think it's a great moment but there's lots of, you know, there's lots of good stuff you can dip in and out of on that album. And uh, I think Pat really shines on it. Her writing, you know, Hold On To Your Dreams. Yeah. I think it's a great tune. And her singing, you know, it's great. Still got it. Absolutely, yeah.
we're getting um, pretty up to date now with Leah Weller and uh, Strangers of uh, quite a recent single, but that's a great track. Very current. How did that happen in terms of producing Leah? Sure, I can't really remember. <laughs> we kind of, it's lovely because we're all kind of friends. Her, yeah. My daughter and Leah, we kind of, or did Cass start playing with her first? Cass now plays guitar with her when they do live gigs. But I th- I can't remember. Anyway, but she sent me a, about eight tracks that she'd been working on with other people. And she came down for a few days with a, a fella, Tomo. And so I was just hanging out and hearing her talk. She got, And she was explaining to me that <clears throat> she wants to be taken more seriously as a songwriter. She wants to keep working at that and getting better at that. And I just thought she was a really inspiring. I mean, I've, I've known her since a baby, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But as, as a young adult, she was... I thought she was really inspiring and uh, she was really hungry f- for doing some, for doing it. So I just helped her out in a way on those, those four tunes that we chose and I kind of played on them all or I put drums or, or the bass and guitars or pianos, whatever I thought really, she gave me a clear reign. And so there's kind of, I think there's about six tracks now that are mixed for the album and finalized. And we just, yeah, we, we kind of, I think the album's been written and we just got to finish it off now. We've got to get it mixed. And But Strangers is, is a fun one. It's just a it's a great optimistic melody, I think. It's, again, the beat is, is infectious. It's, it's cool. It's very hooky. It is, yeah.
Well, we've got to our, our final track here today, Steve, and it is from Peace City West, the remix version. It's Lay Down Your Weary Burden. And you on a happy one, are you? <laughs> we've had some optimistic <laughs> ones, so we, 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 <laughs> we, talk, we talked about peaking and going yeah. down. But um, that's one of uh, Paul Weller's uh, poems, isn't it? It is, yeah. Just He gave me a couple of poems, actually, and I can't remember what the other one was. Not that it matters, but it was just a, yeah, it was just poetry. And uh, I put the chords and the vocal melody to it. There's not a big story to it. But um, again, I get I, I really love that tune because, I don't know, it's quite dreamlike and uh, mm. it's also kind of a, the lyric's quite bleak. Yeah. But, uh, but it seems all right when you're listening to it. Do you know what I mean? It's, that's what's weird about music, I think. Well, sometimes when you listen to a song that um, is quite reflective, sometimes you can take comfort in that, in a way. Yeah. Other people sometimes have the same feelings. Mm-hmm. So Peace City West, the vinyl release, you can you can go on your website, is it stevecraddock.com, and get yourself. And I, I assume it wasn't released a decade ago in vinyl form. No, it wasn't. This is the first time on vinyl, yeah. And uh, the sleeve's really nice. They're designed by my friend Stefan Dewar. He's really, he's made it look boss, man. Really, really cool package. Is that Birmingham on? Is that the Bullring or? Yeah, it's the Selfridges built part of the Bullring. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it looks like a couple of things to me. It looks like that Pierre Cardin 60s mod dress. You know, the, uh, well, it's the, the sort of circular disc dress that yeah. Pierre Cardin designed. And it also reminds me a bit of Ronnie Lane's um, mobile studio you know that silver studio you used to have the yeah. lms yeah it just reminds me of that as well looking forward i've, I've heard that you're, you're still recording some solo material as well i've done it uh, last year i recorded an instrumental album and wrote wrote an instrumental album which i think is i'm going to try and get it mixed i need to mix it and then just put it out in vinyl it's something i haven't done before and it, i'm sorry about it it's just uh it's just pieces of music that at times it's quite repetitive at times it's quite middle of the road, but I've got something from it and I like it. Like, for example, the second, the start of the second side is Sally, my wife, she does gong therapy. You know, do you know what gong bathing is and all that? All oh, right, yeah. So it's like a sort of five, seven minute piece of just gongs and chimes. It's quite, it's quite a heavy scene, really. Yeah. But um, especially last year was definitely a time for meditation, I think. So it's kind of that, like that. It's a bit different, and I th- but I think it's. I really like it. Cool. So there's lots of obviously going on with Paul Weller at, at the minute. Any sort of plans in relation to Ocean Colour Scene? Uh, well, we've got gigs. We've got a couple of gigs this summer in Bedford, and yeah, one up northeast. Steve Davis is doing something for him up there. And then there's the tour at the end of the year, uh, which we're playing. I think there's four Barrowland gigs, two in Birmingham. Cool. One in Manchester and then two at the Roundhouse. Lots going on, um, on on all fronts by the sounds of it. So once we're allowed. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. I hope, you know, who knows? Yeah. Hopefully we're out of it now. Steve, it's been brilliant to talk to you and share the music that you've helped craft over the last uh, 30 years. Um, thank you so much. Well, it's been interesting. Thank you. All right. Okay. Nice one. Man. All right. Appreciate it. Cheers then. Look after yourself. All right. Bye bye. All the best.
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.